This is thatsinthebible.com. That's in the Bible, episode 44, the next events on God's prophetic calendar. Troublesome times are here, filling men's hearts with fear. Freedoms we all hold dear, now is at stake. Humbling your hearts to God, saves from the chastening rod. Seek the way pilgrims trod, Christians away. Hello and welcome back to That's in the Bible. My name's Eric and we're glad you could join us. And uh, believe it or not, we're back uh, like two weeks in a row. It's been a while since that has happened. And uh, Steve is even here, along with Pastor Strobel and uh, the youngster of the group, Matthew, who's getting older by the day. Well, I think I'm what, about 30, 40 years younger than you guys? Yeah, nobody's even... That would make you about nine. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, so last time we did Speaking in Tongues, Matthew commented on the the graphic. What'd you say about the graphic, man? It looks like a bunch of uh, zombies. (laughs) It scared me a little bit, actually. You said the lady that with her arms up in the air there in particular. Yeah, yeah, she was pretty scary. Well, that's the way it, that's the way it goes there sometimes, I think. That's the way that works. I can't doctor it up for them, you know. Just take what they got. No, I like it. I'm just saying. It's just, I think the lady needs a little makeup or something. All right, on that note. We'll go to Steve. Steve's been taking it easy. He hasn't done a whole lot. He's just kind of been sitting back. Steve told me before the show started, don't ask me because I haven't done anything. (laughs) (laughs) I'll never say anything to you again, Eric. (laughs) Uh, Things going well. Enjoyed the time off over uh, uh, the New Year's uh, weekend there and and, uh, had a good uh, fellowship at our church. Had a lot of laughs and... uh, had uh, some games and things that we did, and and uh, uh, thing we call a Chinese auction. It's kind of different than um, I think what some people would think at a benefit. But um, each person brought a gift and with no names on it, and, and each person took a number, opened the gift, and you could trade back and forth, and it just made for a good time, and we enjoyed ourselves. So. Um, uh, the boys had to go back down south, so sad to see them go. But uh, Lord willing, we'll get to see them in May when uh, uh, David graduates. So um, all in all, it's been good. Uh, trying to get back into the regular routine of work and and all the other uh, responsibilities we have. We've got uh, City Mission coming up this Friday, so we'll be doing that. And uh, other than that, just hanging in there and uh, serving the Lord. It's been good. Praise the Lord. Amen. So yeah, you have been busier than you thought you were. Uh, I guess. <laughs> All right. Pastor Strobel. Yes, uh, we did enjoy a good uh, watch night service on New Year's Eve as well and had a chance to hear um, a number of our men preach, some young men and some um, some older men, and uh, they did a good job and enjoyed that. And it got me to thinking about something that uh, I had previously been thinking and praying about, and that was uh, starting up uh, a preacher's class. <laughs> I've taught um, 
I've taught uh, taught it in Bible Institute here at our church when we were running things. We had a number of people at uh, at that time that uh, you know were were at that place where they wanted to study and uh, maybe prepare for the ministry. Um, and so we haven't been running the full institute, but I've uh, announced it and engaged in some interests, and we have uh, I've gotten good response. So right now we're working at uh, coordinating the right day and time and looks like we're pretty much zeroing in on that so lord willing we hope to do this uh, get started within the next uh, couple three weeks at at the latest and so we'll see how that goes and appreciate your prayers for that and the the men that uh, are interested in it amen amen and matthew well, i've just been uh saturday um saturday evening we went street preaching at uh the syracuse uh football uh, basketball game uh they were going against uh, Notre Dame and uh, so that was really good we actually I uh, didn't tell everybody at church until probably the night before <laughs> and uh, I guess I just didn't keep track of when the game was and all that kind of stuff and it was pretty awesome there was about 10 people that came out uh, all the way from Martville so they came they all traveled about 40-45 uh, minutes to uh, go to the game and preach and pass out gospel tracks so we got out a few hundred gospel tracks <clears throat> and it was pretty neat when uh, CJ, the other guy that uh, street preaches with me, um, we kind of wanted to save our voices. And the way we are is if we're going to preach for an hour and a half, we're going to preach the whole time. and We won't save our voices. And, uh, and so kind of when I got in the vehicle to drive over to the game, he, uh, I said to him, what do you think about maybe just staying on the same corner together? Because uh, there's two different streets that we usually uh, – has all gospel tracks and preach and he said yeah that's what i was thinking too you know it must be god's will for us to do it and what we were just going to send some other people down the other street uh so that they could pass out gospel tracks there but there would be no preaching and uh, but then when i started praying when we got there um he said the lord was just uh telling him no you know this is this is what you should do you should go over there and they need preaching over on the other side too so he told me that and that's what we did and uh, he didn't. Uh, he didn't tell me all this until uh, Sunday morning when he was pre- when he was uh, teaching um, Sunday school, and he told uh, the whole Sunday school about uh, you know how we were in agreement, and he thought it was God's will for us to do that. And and uh, but then what happened was when he did go out on the other side of the street at the very end of it, probably when he about maybe the last five or ten minutes of him preaching, uh, he saw a gentleman uh, maybe about twenty yards, thirty yards away, uh, down by. Uh, a hotel down there down the street and he was just staring looking at him and listening to him preach for five minutes and then he went behind a bus i guess and then he appeared uh, five minutes later and stood there for another five minutes uh, just staring at him and listening to him preach so he was in tears when he was saying this cj was in 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 in, uh, in bible class there and he said you know i knew i knew right then and there that that's why god wanted us to split up and, and go preach there because that guy needed to hear the gospel uh, so that that just uh, kind of touched my heart, and uh, you know, it's just neat to see when when uh, God tells you to do something, and He uh, He listened to him, you know. So so praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Was there? Uh, did do you know the result of that game? Syracuse won. Yeah, Syracuse won was by there, a good margin. Was there a controversy on that or no? I thought I saw something. I, in the, in the news. I really don't know. I thought they. I mean, I didn't see the whole <laughs> of the game, but as far as I knew, after the half, they were pretty close in the half. They were almost tied because mm-hmm. uh, that's when we left. Uh, we usually go and eat pizza and watch the game a little bit after we were preaching, and uh, and when we left at the half, they were tied. But then after that, I heard that they were ahead by at least twenty points towards mm-hmm. the end. So as far as I know, it wasn't even a close close call at the end. I don't okay. believe. All right, and you got to see with some of the people you work with too, right? 
Yeah, actually, uh, one of it's neat because uh, I work with about twenty different providers. Probably about twelve of them are doctors. The others are PAs and and things like that. But uh, so far that I've been out there preaching, uh, three other doctors have seen me and mentioned that when I get back to work and. You know, they're, they're just shocked because here I am, you know, just uh, come in, I'm a hard worker and, you know, pretty quiet, you know, and just try to get the job done. And uh, and then I'm out there and I'm preaching, you know, and, and they're just not used to seeing that. And so um, it's given me the opportunity to, you know, for them to ask, you know, what are you out there, you know, promoting or whatever. And I'll, I'm able to give them the gospel at work, you know, which is sometimes pretty difficult. But I tell them, hey, this is, you know, what I'm what I'm telling everybody out there. So, so uh, that that doctor hasn't come up to me yet. I work with him two times a week, and uh, but he walked right by me while I was preaching. So, uh, so we'll see. I don't know if he'll, you know, uh, ask me about it or not. But, but. Uh, you know, it's it's just a good, you know, it's great because it gives me a good witness because they see my car with all my um, scripture signs um, and then also, um, you know, my, my testimony at work and then also seeing me out there as well. So, so I just, you know, pray that, um, you know, even just my testimony might make them think a little bit more about, um, about where they're going to go when they die. Amen. Amen. So, Eric, what about you? What have you been up to? I've been doing a couple of different things. One, number one, I should probably mention to the folks that are using iTunes to download our show. Well, they're probably not able to hear this <laughs> because when I switched the server um, from the server, the old server that we had all the shows on, to the new one, it um, kind of disrupted the uh, iTunes feed. And I'm hoping that in a few days it'll be back. But right now there are no podcasts of that's in the bible on itunes hmm. <clears throat> so i gotta look in to see kind of how that's going to be fixed and i'm also in the process of buying a house and closing date i think it's going to be next week so getting things ready to to make the transition hmm. so we may be we may be out for at least a couple of weeks just based on that getting my room ready right getting your room ready Yes, Good. that's right. And the studio, right? Studio the studio A. and Matt's Matt's servants' quarters. My suite. Oh no, I want my own bathroom. <laughs> it's it's out it's outside. It's out back. It's, it's Good the, place for him. Uh, next to the snow shovel and the lawnmower. <laughs> Young lad. As long as it's heated, that's all that matters. <clears throat> I think we could work something out. No spiders. I'm pretty scared of spiders. Are you? Yeah. Hmm. I didn't think you're supposed to be fearful. <laughs> uh, I didn't know you were afraid of spiders for real. Really? Yeah. Pretty, pretty terrified of them. Is this is this place where Matt's going to be staying big enough to accommodate him when he gets married? No, but Steve said his place is. Oh. Mm. Yeah, Steve, I did want to talk to you about that, actually. Well, we'll have to talk after the show. <laughs> anything anything for a fee. <laughs> this could work Hopefully out to your advantage, Steve. <laughs> <That's right. Yeah. laughs> it could be a tax. Still have my piano player here at the house. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you wouldn't have to support her. I'd also get another snowblower. There you go. I always had right. five manual snowblowers when I was when the kids were home, and now I'm the only <laughs> one left. 
and running running on empty probably, huh? Oh, uh, it's getting tough. I've been thinking about those days coming. <laughs> mm-hmm. But uh, I think I'm good for a little while. Yeah. I feel sorry for my two little girls, but... Uh, <laughs> Got them out there shoveling? <laughs> not yet, but, but I've inquired as to whether or not girls can do that type of work, and I've been assured by those that have them that they can. <laughs> well, that's good. Uh, my daughters have helped me out many, many a time, so they can do it. Hmm. They like to fun, play and have fun at the same time, but enough work gets done. Mm-hmm. And I know we talked about it before we started the podcast today, but do we want to mention anything about those birds or no? <laughs> I guess you just did. I think I did. <laughs> yeah, now we can't stop from there. <laughs> I haven't really been keeping up on it, to tell you the truth. But, no, I, I did read the initial article, and about, uh, from what I remember, about 3,000 uh, red-winged blackbirds had fallen to the earth and it's that, that we're thinking it was out west, Steve. You're saying Arkansas, I believe it was. Arkansas, I believe it was Arkansas. Yeah. And I saw headlines of another subsequent article about um, uh, birds someplace else, but I didn't follow through and read that. So I wasn't really. I guess I didn't think it was an apocalyptic sign, so I didn't feel like I had to find out everything about it just yet. Well, according to Matt, that seems to be the uh, the going thing that has become apop- apocalyptic in nature. Yeah, at work. Right, yeah, at work. There's a couple people kind of throwing that around and asking me the questions. So it's it's neat that they come to me for the, the, those questions, you know. And um, but uh, the, I kind of looked up online and saw the references they give for it. And of course, like anything else, the references that they give for it aren't even close to what is happening. <laughs> and yeah. uh, so I, I'm sure we're going to go over this in the study today, but. <clears throat> about what's going to really come next and yeah, all that kind of there's stuff. There's a pressure for you, Pastor Stroll. Got to go over about <laughs> the birds. Got to put the birds in there somewhere. <laughs> no, no, he, he was talking about what was really going to come next. Oh, okay. yeah. I'll worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I, like Eric was mentioning before the program, it's it's not a bad thing that this uh, event does make people stop and, and be concerned. So and in that respect, if they stop and think about what's going to happen to them and their eternal mm-hmm. soul, Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, all things can work together for good, as That's right. uh, the right. Bible indicates. The only gives- sad thing with all that is that it's so short-lived. I mean, even even when uh, you know the nine uh, eleven took place and and mm. uh, the national pride and and thoughts of God came into 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 the forefront, it only lasted for a, a period of time, and then sadly it uh, dissolved away. And people went back to their regular routines and so forth. But again, if it if it brings attention to the Lord, and really any, well, there are a lot of current events that that will do that. It just depends on what what people are thinking about and, and uh, their interest in in those events. Right, and it, and it may not bring about um, quote unquote revival on a large scale, but. You know, if it causes one person to stop and think about his soul and, and get saved, then he's better yeah. off. <laughs> yeah, amen. amen. You're right. Amen. And it's, I think it's interesting, too, that it, that, you know, obviously it's on at least some people's minds that, you know, uh, could this be the, could this be it, you know? Yeah. Could this be the time? And so obviously there's, there's, there, people aren't as hard as as it seemingly might be you know that, that 
right they do think about these things <laughs> yeah i remember the uh just you know the what was it we had uh earthquake that was felt in canada and it's brother steve did you guys feel it in buffalo there too or yeah they had it had it here the tremors here as well so you know people were talking a little bit about that and so all that kind of stuff does make people think and and uh like you guys said though i just wish it would you know people would think about it more than just for a day because <laughs> yeah. of course tomorrow now this will probably be about over or another day or two and people won't care about it anymore Unless more birds fall from the sky somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I heard one one theory was that because of these storms, they could get sucked up into the storm, and then mm-hmm. they can get twirled around, and, and uh, by the time that the, the storm finally releases them, the wind finally releases them, they, they fall to the ground dead. Um, you know, that's that's one theory that people have. Because so. there have been a good amount of storm uh, yep, but- storms around. I did read about that in the initial article as well, something to that effect. Yeah. So well, I had read something else, uh, was it 2007, that something sim- very similar, if not identical, happened in North Carolina. So it's yeah. not a- uncommon. And I had read that it was actually the aliens that were preparing the birds. <laughs> <laughs> that we, they already are among us. And I, I think yeah. there's some... Some show that has, has in the recent past used that bird thing. Yes, Matt, Matt knows what it design. is. So it probably has got more people thinking about it. Matt was going to say, flash forward. Weren't oh, you, Matt? Okay. I was, actually, I was thinking about the movie The Birds. Remember that movie? Oh, yeah. Alfred Hitchcock. That was before my time. <laughs> ah! <laughs> Unf- Let's see. I, I don't. I, I was looking a little while ago. I don't think I have a bird sound effect. This is the closest I have. <laughs> That's a bird. That is it. You, you can find a good one and edit it in later. Yeah, <laughs> Roosters falling out of the sky. That'd be scary. You could even give a, a monkey comment in, in the midst of it. Oh. Like. That's what Steve likes. Yeah. Steve's partial to those. Brother Steve's like, please don't talk about that anymore. See episode, uh, whatever. <laughs> no, don't. <laughs> Go listen don't, to don't see that episode. <laughs> don't. Well, if you see that episode, go right to the Bible study. <laughs> yes, please. Steve told me. Wasn't to do my that. fault. Steve Believe told me. me to it do was that. not my fault. That was all edited afterwards. I'll listen to you. Just ignore the gunshots <laughs> and the screaming and the. Yeah, man. Steve's, Steve's news feature. Yeah. All right, we'll be the back. The last in- time I submit myself to you. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be back after uh, this word. There is a spiritual warfare taking place all around us. It's an unseen battle which wants to claim your Christian walk and testimony. Find out how to emerge victorious. Listen to episode 21. The Spiritual Warfare. Are you being attacked? Only on FatsInTheBible.com I love those commercials. <laughs> I like the music. Sir Charles. Great guy. Yeah, he is. He's got a good voice. Mm. It's like the homeless guy. Yeah. The golden voice or whatever it was. Yeah, the homeless guy that just is getting all these job offers. Ted Williams. <laughs> Is that his name? Yeah, I heard all about that at work today, too. 
in relation to the Bible? No, it's the, the along with the bird thing. I heard about the bird thing from one person, then I also heard about Ted Williams, that that homeless guy that was on the street that had this amazing voice that now has all these job opportunities. Yeah. Do you guys ever get any work done at your job? <laughs> <laughs> it's a bunch of gossip is what I hear. <laughs> I don't even have to turn on the news anymore. I mean, everybody knows at work that I don't even go uh, and look at the news or read any newspapers because I just, it's all, you know, murdered here, murdered there. So whatever I need to know, I already get by the first maybe 20 minutes of being at work. <laughs> Again, this is uh, Matt's talking about just his place of employment. I would never say anything about like that about mine. <laughs> so if anyone's listening that works with Matt, that's all Matt. <laughs> I should have my own news. Like we should do like maybe ten minutes of just news feed from uh, from Matt's work. Yeah. No, you, you you like your job. You want to keep it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Most of this Nothing takes like place. The father throwing the son under the bus. That's for sure. Yeah, right. And, and most of this takes place like on on breaks, right, Matt? Oh yeah, this is this is all you know or before people clock before in. the door is open. Yeah. yeah, before patients come in, and we're, I mean, of course, we wouldn't talk about this in front of the patients and ask them questions about it. <laughs> talk about the other room and wait, and make them wait. Yeah. <laughs> Hold on, will you? We're we're busy here. I mean, no, no, I know why it takes so long in the waiting room with the doctors. Yeah. That's why you wait forty five more minutes when you go in that little room. Because <laughs> uh, they're yeah. shooting the breeze in the other room. We have to talk about something over our coffee. I mean, you know. <laughs> All right. Well, why don't we talk about the next events on God's prophetic calendar? Sounds good. And we'll find out if it's the birds. Right here on that's in the Bible dot com. <laughs> Are you ready, Pastor Strobe? Lord willing. All right, amen. Here we go. Amen. Let's go ahead and start before we get into the study uh, with a word of prayer. Father, we do thank you, Lord, for uh, what you've done for us. Most importantly, uh, sending the Lord Jesus Christ, Lord, your son, and the blood that he shed. And thank you for saving my soul personally and the testimony of these men here. And uh, Lord, uh, thank you that as Christians, Lord, we can have good fellowship and, and even a good time in thee. We pray for your blessing upon the study tonight, Lord, as we turn to the scriptures. Uh, may it open our eyes and enlighten the eyes of our understanding. And Lord, may it be a help to uh, somebody that's... Um, out there trying to make sense of uh, both uh, the world and what's going on and what's to come and uh, the Bible itself. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. This uh, lesson is going to deal with Bible prophecy. And as um, Brother Eric told you, um, it's going to deal specifically with the next events on God's prophetic calendar. So we're going we're gonna to deal with uh, things to come. And uh, when it comes to prophecy, that's what prophecy is about. It deals essentially with what's going to happen in the future. <laughs> it is tomorrow's news told today uh, in the Bible. In Isaiah chapter 46 and verses 9 and 10, the Bible says, Remember the former things of old, for I am God, and there is none else. I am God, and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning. And from ancient times, the things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. One of the great proofs that the Bible is real, as uh, Brother Steve, I believe, told us recently, is uh, prophecy and fulfilled prophecy, things that the Lord said ahead of time, and they came to pass. Um, In this verse, 
the Lord says he's declaring the end from the beginning in verse number 10 of that uh, of Isaiah 46, declaring the end from the beginning. That is from the beginning there of time, uh, the Lord told you what was going to be in the end. And he declared that and uh, he wasn't afraid that he'd make a mistake. He said, my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. So what the Lord said is going to come to pass is going to come to pass. And he's got a good track record. In Romans 4 verse 17 the Bible uh, says um, in part of the verse, even God who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were. And the Lord will declare what's to come uh, sometimes just as if it's already happened. Uh, he declares the things which be not as though they were. And we'll look at some of those things uh, tonight. So in the Bible, when we deal with prophecy, uh, we have prophecy that has already been fulfilled, such as Jesus' first coming. And we have prophecy that has not yet been fulfilled, uh, such as Jesus' second coming. And in this lesson, we're going to be dealing with prophecy that is still awaiting fulfillment uh, as of today, January 6th, 2011 A.D. Uh, I've put together a chart that shows these events, and um, Lord willing, they'll be included in the show notes on the website. So let's start with the very next event that we're waiting for in God's prophetic calendar. And that event uh, is called the rapture. The, the next event on God's prophetic calendar is what we call the rapture. Now, the word rapture is not found in the Bible, but the event that the word describes most definitely is. Some people, they object to the use of the word rapture since it's not found in the scriptures, and they'll say things like, um, uh, shouldn't we use another term for it since that term is not found in the Bible? And my reply to that is this, the term Bible is not found in the Bible. And yet, uh, folks don't have a problem with using that. So it's kind of a strange argument when somebody will say, well, you know, the word rapture is not even found in the Bible. We should call it something that is in the Bible. And uh, yet they're using the word Bible, which isn't in the Scripture. So um, we, as long as the event's in there, if there's another term that we use to describe it, um, I'm not concerned uh, with, with using that term to describe it. We'll, I'll speak more about that term in just a little bit. <clears throat> the event of um, the rapture has to do with the return of Jesus Christ, and uh, specifically now the imminent return of Jesus Christ to take his saints out of this world. The term imminent itself means that it could happen at any moment. Um, there's nothing left that, to, to be fulfilled or nothing left awaiting to be fulfilled that has to be fulfilled before the rapture takes place. Uh, it's the next thing that we're waiting for. Uh, at the rapture, what's going to happen is the Lord Jesus Christ will descend from heaven and he'll call those who are saved out of this world to be with him uh, forevermore. And at uh, this time, he's going to come out of heaven, but he's not going to come all the way to the earth. And those who are saved, both living and, and the ones that have died in the Lord that, that um, were saved, uh, those are going to rise to meet him in the air, and they're going to return with him into heaven. And if I'm talking to somebody today, and this sounds uh, far-fetched, uh, you can read all about it for yourself in First Thessalonians, the New Testament, the book of First Thessalonians, chapter 4 verses 16 through 18. And I'm going to read you those verses, but you can look them up and, and see for yourself. And here it says, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Uh, this is, as the last verse described, a comforting uh, thought to the Christians that uh, one day uh, we get to go be with the Lord. 
You'll see, you, you see also in the verse that some people uh, will, will have already passed away and, and their bodies will be in the ground. They're dead, uh, but yet they're going to be caught up together with the Lord. And uh, for those of us that are alive, one of the greatest uh, things that we have to anticipate is the potential of still being alive when the Lord comes. Um, one of the great things that I, I learned after I got saved was uh, I may never have to die. Uh, instead of uh, going by way of the undertaker, uh, some of us uh, will get to go by way of the upper taker. Now, there's no guarantee that any of us right now are going to be alive when the rapture takes place. But um, by the way things look, um, uh, we've got a, a decent chance. Amen. <laughs> the de- the, you take the word rapture a little bit further about, as I mentioned, I'd, I'd, I'd say uh, the, the definition of the word rapture means the state of being carried away with joy, love, uh, etc., ecstasy, and that's from uh, Webster's New World Dictionary, copyright 1967. But uh, when I think of um, how that describes the word, I, I don't know that I could think of a better way to describe what the born again child of God is going to be experiencing when the Lord transports him first class from earth to heaven at Jesus coming. Let me read it again. Uh, definition of rapture, the state of being carried away. We will be carried away. We'll be carried up into glory. The state of being carried away with joy. You can bet we'll be experiencing fullness of joy for at God's right hand, there is fullness of joy, Psalm 1611 says. And Jesus is at his right hand, though he leaves it to uh, come down and, uh, and gather us home. Uh, the state of being carried away with joy, love, etc., ecstasy. It's rapture, and that's what's going to be, be happening. The Lord will seize us from this world and bring us uh, into his presence, and uh, it'll be a blessed time. Now, in regard to Jesus coming again, he himself said that he would. In John chapter 14 and verse number three, he said, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. Uh, another important passage and descriptive passage about the details of the rapture is given in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, uh, I'll begin reading in verse number 51, where the Lord says, Behold, I show you a mystery. Uh, we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. This is the Lord speaking through the Apostle Paul. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep but we shall all be changed. And the sleep is the idea of death, as even when Lazarus uh, died and the Lord said, uh, he sleepeth, and his disciples says, well, if he's sleeping, he does well. But finally, Jesus plainly said to him, uh, Lazarus is dead. So that's the idea of sleep there. It's, it's they've died. They're asleep in the Lord. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. Now, this is describing, uh, again, what will take place. We'll be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. So that quick, our bodies will be changed. Uh, The dead in Christ will be changed. The alive in Christ will be changed. The dead in Christ will be given a new body. We who are alive in Christ right now, uh, if we're alive at the rapture, our old flesh is going to be transformed into a body like unto his glorious body, uh, Philippians 3, verse 21 says. And of that body, it says in 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty three, in the transition for this corruptible, the body we're in right now, it's corruptible, it decays, it'll fall apart, it gets old, it gets full of uh, uh, corruption, and it dies. But he says, for this corruptible must put on incorruption, 
And this mortal, this body subject to death, must put on immortality, a body that will never die. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass a saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, the idea of the Lord coming, some people say, all oh, this prophecy, you know, uh, it just gets people thinking about things that uh, doesn't make any difference right now. No, according to the Bible, uh, the looking forward of Jesus to, to Jesus coming is a, is a hope that um, makes the Christians uh, live better. Uh, over in 1 John, it says, Every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. And here in 1 Corinthians 15, connecting uh, with this thought is in verse 58, the statement that says, Therefore, connecting you to what he just got done talking about, the Lord's coming and we're going to be changed. He says, therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. You check out those references to the rapture, to Jesus coming, you'll find uh, right in the vicinity some practical uh, thing associated with it. As because we believe he's coming, uh, we ought to be steadfast and unmovable, uh, keeping right with God and always abounding in the work uh, of the Lord. So, uh, thankfully, at the rapture, uh, the Lord takes us on home to glory, and as he does, he gives us a body uh, that will never die. It will never grow old. It will never uh, feel pain. It will never perish, and uh, that's, that's part of what's called the blessed hope for the child of God in Titus chapter 2, verse 13. And uh, another passage dealing with Jesus coming that has practical things associated uh, with it. Uh, Titus two thirteen, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And uh, in the context there of Titus chapter 2, uh, he, had, he had said prior to that, uh, that uh, in verse number 12, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And so, uh, and, and then the verse following, by the way, so it, it is practical. It sandwiches the prophetical truth into uh, the practical motivation for Christians. The further verse 14 says, Who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise thee. So uh, we're, we are, as Christians, looking forward uh, to the next event on God's prophetic calendar. And that's the rapture of the saints, those who are saved, being caught up together with the Lord to go to heaven and be with him uh, forevermore. Now, um, uh, the other day I was reading uh, an, an article right around the first of the year. It may have been uh, a day or two after the first of the year, but uh, I, I saw a headline on, online onto the homepage that I, my uh, browser boots up to, and it shows uh, news headlines. And the first news headline uh, had to do with um, some followers of uh, the teachings of Harold Camping. And so uh, he's apparently up to his old tricks again, has been for a while, but his followers are now getting some press. And Harold Camping is the leader of Family Radio, uh, a ministry based in Oakland, California, and uh, has radio stations reaching many places in the world, including our area here uh, near Buffalo, New York. 
And so uh, camping comes uh, on people's radios. If they'll turn on to, turn on to the station where uh, family radio is, they can hear camping uh, every day uh, right here. I mean, I go, to my, I go to my car or turn on the radio in the house right now and turn on his station and, you know, either he's on or somebody else but, uh, th- that follows his teachings. But uh, what camping is saying and what his followers are pushing is uh, he has predicted the rapture to occur uh, May 21st of 2011. <clears throat> so these people have um, about five months to, to get out the message. And of course, they've been working at this for a while. But uh, Camping says uh, that, uh, quote, the rapture of believers will take place on May 21st, 2011, and that God will destroy this world on October 21st, 2011. Now, I don't want, to, want you to think that I'm opposed to the Lord coming on May 21st, 2011. And if he wants to come then, that's fine with me. And if he wants to come before that, um, uh, more power to him, and that's all the better for us. But um, the truth of the matter is, as I mentioned earlier, the rapture is imminent. In other words, there's nothing left, according to the scriptures, that we have to wait for for the rapture to take place. So it could take place on two, May 21st of this year, or it could take place before that or it could take place after that. In regard to the second part of his statement, that God will destroy this world on October 21st, 2011, uh, it is certain that, that that will not happen. The world will not be destroyed on October 21st, 2011. And the layout of prophetic events that we're going to show later, later in the study will, will prove that. But um, it, since camping is getting some press, and some of you may uh, be hearing about this, uh, in the article it showed a, uh, a lady um, that was traveling around in her car that was all uh, plastered with messages about uh, these things, <laughs> and, and, and so you're, you're likely to be hearing some things about it, and in case you do, you should just be aware of the errors of his teachings. Um, in his book, We Are Almost There, uh, the revised edition dated August 2010, on page 28, <laughs> Camping says uh, the church age ended on May 21st, 1988. He said that the church age ended then. Um, he goes on to say that the ominous prophecy, and this is, this is what Camping thinks about those of us that disagree with him. He says, the ominous prophecy of Matthew 7, 21 through 23, will come into sharp reality in the day God, bring, in the day that, in the day God brings his great wrath upon the unsaved of the world. And sadly, that includes all those who are still in any church anywhere in the world when the rapture occurs. That is when the true believers are caught up to meet the Lord in the air uh, in these verses, God declares, and he quotes uh, Matthew uh, 7, uh, 21 through 23, saying, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, we have, uh, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity." Now, I believe Matthew uh, seven twenty one through 23. I believe it um, emphatically and that that'll happen to some people. Uh, but I believe uh, Harold Camping has misapplied this as he does uh, many of the scriptures. Uh, he's applying that to those of you who are still in church. Uh, he believes the church age has ascended or, or has um, ended and uh, that the church uh, age having ended, that everybody ought to be... Uh, leaving church. Every, all the true Christians are supposed to leave church. He believes God has commanded us to, to do that. Um, 
in that nobody is getting saved. And he's got another book where he says nobody's getting saved in the churches today. And um, the truth of the matter is uh, he doesn't know what he's talking about. Uh, we've seen people saved in our church uh, in the last uh, months, in the last uh, uh, recent times, and uh, seen folks get saved, follow the Lord and believers' baptism, and, and these men have seen that happen in their churches as well. Uh, we've seen people that we've dealt with outside of church come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior, and uh, some of those outside of church that got saved then came into church. And, uh, and so he, he simply doesn't know what he's talking about. And it's important to note that Second Peter 1.20 says, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scriptures of any private interpretation. I just bring those things out to give you an idea of uh, where, Harold, where Harold Camping is coming from. Um, he, he's got all kinds of um, whacked out ideas. And uh, just because you quote Bible doesn't mean that you get your Bible right. That's why we had a whole lesson on uh, how to study the Bible or, or how to understand the Bible. In the, that same book, which uh, is called We Are Almost There, on page 50, Camping says, The final five months of the Earth's history begins on May 21, 2011, and will end on October 21, 2011. We thus far have set forth the basic outline of the, um, the important time junctures leading to the end of the world. We've also shown the biblical information that causes us to arrive at this, inf- this time information. God has given so much additional information that we can know, says Camping, without any doubt whatsoever that this is an absolutely accurate timetable. And uh, it's not going to take long, that is before the end of this year, before these statements are proven false. I don't take any pleasure in in, in bashing this teaching, but um, the sad truth is that uh, uh, he's teaching errors. And and the more people get up and, and emphatically set dates, and those dates um, uh, come to pass, and, and what they said was going to come to pass doesn't, uh, then the less confident some people get in people uh, preaching about prophecy. But uh, let me say to, to you who are skeptical about any prophecy, because there's been people that have uh, falsely set dates, that uh, it, it doesn't undo anything. The Lord, what the Lord said he's going to do in the scriptures, he's still going to do. And I don't mind speculating about when the Lord's coming back, and uh, and, and I've got my own ideas, but... Um, to set an emphatic date when the Lord hasn't given you that date uh, is just setting yourself up for uh, for a fall and and uh, giving other people occasion to to doubt the scriptures and and again camping's been wrong before in this regard and he's not the only one uh, back in 1988 uh, the year when uh, camping said the church age ended uh, somebody else came out with a book uh, his name was Edgar uh, Wiesnot called 88 Reasons Why the Rapture Will Be in 88. And, of course, was we all know that the rapture was in 88. And he was sincere and quoted scriptures and studied the Bible deeply and got on his computer and ran references, but he got it wrong. And um, he, he recognized that he had made some error, and then so he revised his teaching. The next year, in 1989, came out with a, a book, I believe, if I remember right, it was called The Final Shout or The Final Trumpet, but I think The Final Shout, something like that. And told where he made the errors and while why he was actually a year off, and of course the, he was more than that off because the Lord didn't come in 1989 either. <laughs> and so th- this happens regularly. And again, let's just remember that uh, no prophecy of the Scripture of any private interpretation. But uh, in talking about the rapture, um, Camping believes in it, but uh, he's uh, he, he has some um, uh, he's got some definite ideas about uh, the date. Uh, saying it's going to be May 21st, and then a definite idea is about who's not going to be able to go, which means um, uh, us, unless we get out of our churches before then, which I have no intention of doing. <laughs> and I'm not worried about missing the rapture either. 
All right, so uh, the first thing that we're looking for is the rapture. Now, the next thing that comes after the rapture is the judgment seat of Christ. I say the next thing, uh, for that's the next thing for the Christians. <clears throat> we have um, covered the judgment seat of Christ in detail in Lesson 28, so I'm not going to expound all about it. If you'd like to know more information about it in detail, you can uh, check out that lesson. Uh, but the judgment seat of Christ takes place uh, in heaven, and it's a judgment of the believers. And it's a judgment of the believers as their works are tried by fire. And as the fire tries every man's works, Lord, he tries them with fire. And then whatever remains of those works uh, are rewarded. But it's not a, a time when the Christians see if they're going to heaven or hell. Uh, if you're saved, you're going to heaven. It's a time to see what kind of rewards you get and what you have to show the Lord Jesus Christ that you've done for him because you loved him. This takes place, again, after the rapture. Uh, when we go up to glory. 1 Peter 4.17 says, For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel? Um, we, we are looking forward to the Lord coming back. And we're looking forward to uh, being with him. But at the judgment seat of Christ, there's going to be a time of, of the trying of our, our works. And again, one of these days, the Lord's coming. And after that, we're going to have to stand before him. And you don't want to forget about that. Every Christian ought to live his life in the light of the judgment seat of Christ because he's going to wind up standing before the Lord. And in regard to that judgment seat, uh, the Bible says every one of us, so then every one of us shall give account of himself uh, to God. Now, I read you that verse in 1 Peter 17, and uh, I had another one I wanted, I wanted to read you one after that as well. Because he said after that, and if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and sinner appear? And I was reading, reading to you about the judgment because it says that judgment must begin at the house of God. And then he goes, if the righteous scarcely be saved. Then he says, what shall be the end of them that obey not the gospel of God? And it says, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? And, and both of those verses together indicate uh, the timing and the order of the judgments. The judgment seat of Christ taking place first. The time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And then he says, if the righteous, righteous scarcely be saved, you can run that in 1 Corinthians 3 with somebody being saved, yet so as by fire. And then the, what shall the end of them that obey not the gospel be? Or what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? Well, that's going to be at the judgment seat or at the great white throne judgment where the ungodly and sinner shall appear. So it kind of gives an indication of the time. And then coupling that, uh, taking that together with 2 Timothy 4, verse number 1, I'll give you actually give you a couple verses here. I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. He's going to judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. The quick at his appearing, the, the dead uh, at his kingdom. And um, his appearing takes place, Titus 2.13, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ. That's the rapture. So uh, these things indicate the judgment seat of Christ taking place right after the rapture, uh, when we are with the Lord uh, up in uh, glory. Now, while the rapture or the judgment seat of Christ is going on in heaven, on earth something else has taken place. So simultaneous to, to that, as soon as the Christians are raptured out of this world, uh, the tribulation begins on this earth. And uh, the tribulation is a seven-year period uh, called the tribulation. Um, and uh, this tribulation is a time of uh, turmoil on this earth. Uh, there are those that believe the tribulation is only going to be for three and a half years. I'm not going to get into a big discussion about that. Uh, I believe it's going to be a full seven years. Uh, the tribula tribulation is known as the great tribulation to some. It's also called the time of Jacob's trouble. Uh, and it's also referred to as Daniel's 70th week. 
Uh, Daniel's 70th week, that term is derived from Daniel chapter 9, verses 24 through 27. Time of Jacob's trouble, you can find in Jeremiah chapter 30 and verse number 7. But um, uh, the, the week would be, would be a week of uh, years, uh, a period of uh, each day for a year. So it's seven years, and that's where uh, we get that, uh, at least among other things. And so as the name of the tribulation suggests, it's going to be a time of turmoil, a time of trouble. And it's going to be a time of trouble for those who remain on the earth. For after the Lord comes at the rapture, he catches away the saints, but the uh, unsaved are still left on this earth. According to Matthew chapter 24 and verse number 21, it's going to be the worst time this world has ever seen or ever will see. If you will read Matthew 24 verse 21 and you'll think about that, that in itself ought to give you pause. This world has seen some pretty rough times in its history. I mean rough times. From natural disasters to uh, despotic uh, rulers uh, committing genocide uh, to, to diseases and, 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 and deaths um, en masse. And God says that the tribulation is going to be worse than that. That's the words of Jesus Christ. It's going to be the worst time the world ever has seen or ever will see. An exhaustive study on the tribulation uh, would, would sell, it'd take a lot of lessons. So let me just hit, hit a few of these key points. And when we, when we talk about the tribulation time and what it, what's going on there and, and what people call it, um, whatever it's called, I'm going to tell you, you don't want to be there. And the good news for you if you're saved is, that uh, you won't be there because the Lord will have taken you out of this world at the rapture. But in regard to what transpires, the tribulation of, uh, is a period of time when the, when the Antichrist shows up, and uh, he's the, the one that's associated with the number 666. So you've got that taking place, the mark of the beast. Revelation refers to the Antichrist also as the beast. You can read about that in Revelation chapter 13, and the mark of the beast in Revelation 13, uh, 18. And the tribulation itself, it's... Um, uh, a, a time, again, when the Antichrist shows up, but when he shows up, he shows up peacefully at first. He gains the trust and the following of the world. And uh, some references to that, you can read about him in Daniel 8.25 and Daniel 11.21, and also First Thessalonians chapter 5 and, and verse number 3 about him coming peaceably. Um, he's also called the man of sin and the son of perdition in Second Thessalonians chapter 2 and verses 3 and 4. But uh, he shows up there in the tribulation time. You can read a lot about it uh, in Revelation. Revelation 16 to another reference. This tribulation also you can find typified in the Old Testament um, in the judgments of Egypt in the time of Moses in Exodus chapter 7 through 12. And uh, matter of fact, a lot of the, the plagues that take place uh, parallel the plagues that take place in the tribulation. And uh, they are both called plagues in both in the Exodus as well as in uh, Revelation. And uh, when you when you read about uh, the tribute or the judgments in Exodus, you continue to read uh, similar wording to Matthew twenty four verse twenty one, in that uh, it was a, a time that the world hadn't seen before, and it'll use different phraseology, and um, it, it, as you see it, I see it about four different times in there, and it just is so blatant once you notice it that you just can't miss it, and the Lord trying to show you a, a picture of the judgments. Uh, coming on this uh, wor world in the future. Um, in the tribulation, God will be dealing with Israel, and uh, that's why it's called the time of Jacob's trouble. 
although the fallout's going to come on the Gentiles as well, but he's going to save a remnant of Israel. Romans chapter 9, verse 27, and Romans 11, verse 26, all Israel shall be saved, and God will save a remnant of them and restore his relationship with them, uh, his bride. As the church is the bride of Jesus Christ, Israel's the bride of uh, the Lord God Almighty. The tribulation is also typified by the days of Noah and the days of Lot in Luke chapter 17, verses 26 through 30. Uh, some verses that you'd like, to, you'd probably like to look up. And the book of Revelation uh, deals with the tribulation in great detail in, Re- in Revelation 6 through 18. And as um, far as the church going through the tribulation, there's another uh, Bible study that we have on uh, the website about that. Um, one of the great uh, types is in Revelation chapter 4 and verse number 1, a door is opened in heaven, uh, and as, that, uh, as heaven is open and there's a voice coming from heaven that says, uh, come up hither. And so the voice says, come up hither, and, and uh, after, just prior to that, we were dealing with the churches, and after that, the church doesn't show up. And uh, we don't show up again until chapter 19. That's at the end of tribulation the end of the tribulation, and that brings us to the next event on God's prophetic calendar. For we have, we're looking first for the rapture. After the rapture, we appear before the judgment seat of Christ in heaven while the unsaved world goes through the tribulation on this earth. And uh, I do want to say that um, uh, it is possible for people to get saved during the tribulation time. Although if you uh, know about getting saved now and you refuse, the Lord says at that time he's going to send you strong delusion that you should believe a lie that they all might be damned uh, who received not the love of the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. So if, you know, if you're hearing what we're saying right now, don't you think uh, you're going to wait and get saved in tribulation? If you won't get saved now, uh, you're not going to get saved then. Uh, the Lord will he'll take away your good thinking from you. But there will be people who do get saved uh, during the tribulation. So the next event after the um, tribulation is the second advent, the second advent of Jesus Christ. This is part two of Jesus' second coming, for his coming uh, comes in two parts, the second coming. Uh, Part one is the rapture, and part two is the revelation, uh, or as I've called it, the second advent. At the rapture, Jesus comes for his saints, takes them home to heaven. At the revelation, he comes with his saints, brings them from heaven with him down to this earth. At the rapture, Jesus comes down from heaven, but he doesn't come all the way to the earth. At the revelation, he literally touches down on the face of the earth. The first time that Jesus came and touched down on on the earth was called his advent. We've just come through the Christmas season, and many of you will be aware of the fact that uh, people call the Christmas season advent or the advent season. They have advent wreaths, uh, advent calendars, advent candles, etc., because that's what they call his first coming. Thus, his second coming, when he comes all the way down to the earth— is, has come to be called his second advent. So when you hear the term second advent, we're not talking about the rapture. We're talking about Jesus coming back with his saints after the rapture. And there's some great uh, passages of Scripture that deal with uh, this. And, um, uh, f- for example, uh, in detail, you can read about it in Second Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 7 and 8 where it says that the Lord's going to come in flaming fire, taking vengeance upon them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. In Revelation 1-7, it says, Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him. That's not the case of the rapture, but at the second heaven it is. Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him, and they also which pierced him. And all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Even so, uh, amen. And then a classic uh, passage on, on the second advent would be uh, Revelation chapter 9, beginning in 19, rather, beginning in verse 11. 
I'll read that for you. It says, And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, and white and clean. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron. He treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. He hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That's Jesus coming back at the second advent. And uh, when he comes back, I mean, uh, I'm reminded of the Hallelujah Chorus again, where they sing, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. When he comes back, uh, he's coming back as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. When he um, came the first time, he came like a, a lamb. When he comes the second time, he's coming as the Lion of the tribe of Judah. And uh, he's going to take over this uh, world in a hostile takeover. More about that in the next point in just a moment. But um, in regard to the second advent, uh, some other references that would be instructive for you are Jude verses uh, 14 and 15, only one chapter in the book of Jude, and talking about uh, the Lord coming. In fact, I want to go ahead and read that one for you. It's a, a tremendous uh, passage, insight. Jude verse number 14, it says, And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these. So that's how far back the Lord was talking about these events. Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed and of all their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. And that's what's going to take place. We who are saved will have part in uh, this judgment, in, in this second advent. And uh, I'm going to read you one of their passages. This is uh, a lesser-known passage dealing with uh, the second advent and with uh, the Lord's coming. But it's in Psalm 149, beginning in verse number 6. It says, let the high praises of God be in their mouth and the two-edged sword in their hand to execute vengeance upon the heathen heathen, and punishments upon the people, to bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron, to execute upon them the judgment written, this honor have all his saints. Praise ye the Lord. We sometimes get fed up with what's going on in this world and, and in our flesh we like to take matters into our own hands and we're not supposed to. Because right now, the Bible says, weapons of our warfare are not carnal, uh, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. The armor we're given in Ephesians chapter 6 is not a physical, literal armor. It is a spiritual armor. We're fighting a spiritual fight right now. One of these days, the Lord's coming back. And those of us that are saved, uh, we get to be with him when he comes and he takes over this uh, earth and sets up his rule. And so we can just bide our time because one day uh, we'll have the upper hand. Uh, we may not have it down here right now, but one day we will. And uh, when the Lord comes back at the second advent, he's coming back for a purpose. And that brings us to the, to the next event after that. And that's to set up his kingdom, a literal kingdom. Uh, we call this uh, the millennial kingdom. We call this period of time the millennium. The millennium is another word that uh, doesn't appear in the Bible, but it does sub- describe the uh, situation that will take place. And we'll show you that plainly here and clearly. But the word millennium, it comes from a couple words, mill, uh, which means a thousand, 
And then uh, these are Latin words, M-I-L-L-E, a thousand, and annus, A-N-N-U-S, which means year. Uh, that's where we get our word annual uh, for yearly. And, and millennium means a thousand years. So that's a descriptive term, and it describes the 1,000-year period where Jesus Christ reigns on this earth, uh, ruling it in righteousness, ruling it in peace, and ruling it in harmony, showing the world how it ought to be run. Uh, of, uh, of this time, the, the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 6, verse number 9, uh, or, or I'm sorry, in Isaiah chapter 9 and verse number 6, it says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and it says, And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And one day it will. It's not yet. Uh, may perhaps you've noticed that, but one day it will be. Uh, so Isaiah six verse nine, or I keep saying six nine, but but nine and verse number six. Isaiah nine and verse number six, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. He's going to rule and reign on this earth uh, as King of Kings and Lord of Lords, and it's going to be a one thousand year reign. We'll talk more about why it's a thousand years in just uh, just a moment, but it's going to be a thousand years, um, and uh, the fact that it is is also stated in Revelation chapter twenty, where the Lord says in verse number one, and I and this is right after the second advent, which we we've read partially about in Revelation nineteen, but it continues on to talk about it afterwards. But He says, and I saw an angel come fr- come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years. So for that thousand years, the devil will not be able to influence the people on this uh, earth. Um, And cast him into the bottomless pit, and shut him up, and set a seal upon him, that he should deceive the nations no more, till the thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that, he must be loosed a little season. And it goes on to talk about it uh, more in verses 4, 5, uh, and 6. And talks about um, uh, people reigning as pri- as priests of God and of Christ, reigning with Him a thousand years. And in verse number seven, it says, "When the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison." But that thousand years shows up very plainly and clearly. So it is a one thousand year period of uh, time on this earth when the Lord uh, reigns. Now, some people like to make everything in the Bible allegorical. If you allegorize everything in the scriptures, uh, when God uh, means for you to take uh, these things literally, because he's, he hasn't told you to allegorize them, and when he wants to allegorize something, he'll tell you. He'll tell you what, when the allegories are there. But, but if you allegorize it, then you miss out on the truth. And you can allegorize yourself right out of the fact that uh, the Lord's even going to reign on the earth, period. And the Lord said a thousand years because he meant a thousand years. It's not some indefinite period of time. It's 1,000 years. Some of the details of the kingdom during that time um, you can read about in Isaiah chapter 11. And I'm going to read you that uh, before we uh, proceed on as well. Isaiah 11 in your Bibles, beginning in chapter 6. And this is of what takes place during the millennial kingdom. Isaiah eleven six. it says, The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the kid, and the calf and the young lion, and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall feed, their young ones shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The lion becoming a, a vegetarian and no longer carnivorous during the um, millennial reign. And the sucking child shall play on the hole of the asp, and the weaned child shall put his hand on the cockatrice den. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. 
Amen. And there's a lot of other uh, things um, that the Bible has to say about it as well. Uh, you can read Psalm 66, verses 1 through 4 for some more information. And, and uh, you can read about it in the Minor Prophets. But uh, one of these days, the Lord Jesus Christ is coming back. And he's going to set up his kingdom. Now, that won't take place before uh, tribulation takes place on this earth. And that won't take place uh, before uh, the rapture takes place on this earth. In regard to this uh, thousand years, uh, another place where Harold Camping gets off is, is he's got the world being created 13,000 years ago. And he says um, in the book that we mentioned before, we're almost there on page number eight. He says the world was created about 13,000 years ago. We know that the creation, well, he's, rather he says, we know that the year of creation was 11,013 B.C. And to that we can uh, respond, uh, not, uh, not bitterly by any means, but uh, we know that um, he's wrong. We know he's wrong. And, and Camping misses the, the picture and the setup the Lord has when he says in Second Peter 3, verse 8, But, beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord is a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The truth of the matter is this world's been around for about 6,000 years, and that can be traced back um, through the uh, chronology from uh, the ages of uh, people and the genealogies given in the scriptures. Um, Usher and his uh, uh, annals of uh, world history, um, and, and uh, it may not be the exact uh, name of the book, I've forgotten at the moment, but annals are in there. But uh, he, he has uh, worked out uh, the time, and, and uh, he's not the only one. But um, it's, it, we, we've been here uh, about 6,000 years, mankind has. Uh, the date of creation would be more like 4,000 B.C. Some people put it at 4,004 uh, B.C. Uh, and you can see this chronology, if you have a, an old Schofield reference Bible, this is a chronology that is uh, put forth there. And you can study it out for yourself. You don't have to take uh, our word for it. <clears throat> but in regard to the day with the Lord being a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day, the Lord said very clearly that he created the earth in six days, and on the seventh he rested. He likens the kingdom to come to a rest, a, there remaineth therefore a, a rest. There remaineth a rest to the people of God. You read about this in the book of Hebrews. And what the Lord is, is, is going to do is he's going to give this earth about 6,000 years of uh, toil and labor. And on the seventh year, the 7,000th year, is going to be this millennial reign, a thousand years of rest. All right, and at the end of that thousand years, we come to the next event on our prophetic calendar, and we'll simply call this uh, the uh, the oft-used and uh, abused and, and misapplied term, we're going to call this the end of the world. The end of the world is not going to take place October 21st of 2011. You say, how do you know? Because I know that uh, the next events on God's prophetic calendar include more than um, uh, a few months of uh, history. It concludes more than 10 months uh, plus of, of history to come. We have uh, seven years of tribulation that have to take place. We've got a thousand years that the Lord's got to rule and reign on this earth. So the world will not end for at least another 1,007 years. And of that, we are most certain, and you can be sure. Now, uh, the end of the world takes place at the end, uh, end of the millennium. The devil's loosed out of his prison, and mankind is so, uh, so hardened and so reprobate that even after they've lived on this earth with Jesus Christ, that the devil's able to go out and deceive a bunch of people and get them an army together whose numbers are as the sand of the sea. And that army uh, compasses about the holy city to take it. And then in a somewhat anticlimactic fashion, the Lord ends the whole uh, bid uh, by just sending fire down from heaven and destroying them. And uh, this uh, ushers in the end of the world. 
uh, the world uh, will we'll stop at that time. You can read about those things, by the way, in Revelation chapter uh, 20 and verses 7 uh, through 10. At that time, the devil himself is taken and cast into the lake of fire, and uh, he'll be confined there uh, for the rest of eternity. At this time, the earth, along with uh, the universe, is destroyed. That's in Revelation 20.11. It says, And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. So this, um, this fire coming down from heaven to destroy them devours the earth and the universe. And let me read you uh, a passage from Second Peter chapter 3 and verse number 10. And if I happen to be talking to somebody that studies with the Jehovah's Witnesses, or you are a Jehovah's Witness, or um, you have been getting studies from them, uh, you want to note this, because the Jehovah's Witnesses have been telling you that the earth's going to be around forever. And Second Peter chapter 3 uh, tells you it's not. I'll begin reading in verse number 10. It says, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, <clears throat> the earth also, and the works that are therein, shall be burned up. And that's the scriptures. That's Bible right there. Good, easy King James English. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness? Once again, you see the practical admonition associated with the prophetical truth. What uh, manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, when the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. And that's, uh, that's to come. That's what's going to happen. Uh, this earth is going to be burned up, and uh, the world will, will at that point come to an end, the world this earth being this earth as uh, we know it. And at, uh, the, after that time, it ushers in, as we began to read in Revelation 20, the great white throne judgment. Now, again, we've also dealt with the great white throne judgment, in uh, the uh, the less, same lesson that dealt with the judgment seat of Christ, I believe it was lesson uh, 28, on uh, that's in the Bible. And uh, uh, that lesson is called After This, the Judgment. But uh, So that'll give you a lot of detail there, so I won't go into it right now, uh, but just to say just uh, briefly about it, in Revelation 20 and verse number 11, it said, And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. This is why we call it the great white throne judgment. Because in verse 12 it says, And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were open. And another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of the, those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. You know what you need? You need your name written in that book of life. How do you get it in there? You must be born again. You've got to have your sins washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. You must receive him as your personal Savior. But as many as received him, to them gave you power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. And then your name will be put in that book of life. And at the great white throne judgment, uh, you will not be uh, judged, but you'll be an assistant to God, a witness in the judgment as you read about, uh, as Paul writes to the Corinthians. But the great white throne judgment takes place after the end of this world, and uh, thankfully it doesn't end there. But the final thing we'll talk about today, uh, and of course there's other details that can go in in here, but the final thing we'll talk about in regard to the next events on God's prophetic calendar 
uh, after all these things transpire at the end of the great white throne judgment, when it's over, we're going to get on with eternity as the Lord ushers in the new heavens and the new earth. The old ones having been destroyed, now uh, the Lord ushers in the new heavens and the new earth. In Revelation 21, verse number 1, John said, and I saw a new heaven. What's this? This is the Lord calling those things which be not as though they were. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away. You see, again, the Jehovah's Witnesses don't get it, but the earth is going to its gonna go. This first earth that we're on right now, it's going to pass away. It's going to burn up. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven, saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give to, unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. I ask you today, are you thirsty? Are you hungering and thirsting for righteousness? Do you know there's something more out there than, than what you've got? I'm going to tell you, if, you, if you've never been, been saved, you need the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Peter, in the passage that we mentioned earlier, uh, went on to talk about the new heavens and the new earth after he talked about the uh, old ones being burned up in the same order that uh, John gave him here. And so I'm going to read your Second Peter 3 and verse 13. Previously, we read uh, verses 10 through 12. He said, after talking about the elements melting with a fervent heat, he said, nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. That's what we're looking for. And, uh, and folks, uh, the great news for you, uh, if you're saved, is uh, this is where, you, where you're going to get in on things. Right now, we're down on a corrupt uh, heaven and a corrupt earth and a corrupt body. At the rapture, we get a, an incorruptible body. And ultimately, we'll be able to be a, a part of an incorruptible earth, an incorruptible heaven, an incorruptible universe, where corruption will become confined to the lake of fire. For in Revelation 21, verse number 8, it says, But the fearful, and the unbelieving, and the abominable, and murderers, and whoremongers, and sorcerers, and idolaters, and all liars shall, liar shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. And you won't have your part in that, uh, do you? So if you're saved, why don't you call upon Jesus Christ right now. Ask him to wash you in his blood. Tell him you trust him and him alone is your only hope for heaven. Ask him to save your soul. You'll be glad that you did. Uh, summing it all up, Revelation 22 and verse number 20, as you get to the end of the Bible, says, He that testifieth these things saith, Surely I come quickly. Amen. Even so, come Lord Jesus. And uh, this is what we're looking forward to. We're looking forward to the Lord coming back. Just to sum it up, the next event on God's prophetic calendar uh, at the end of the church age is the rapture of the saints. Those who are saved go up on, on home to glory. They then face the judgment seat of Christ. At that time, uh, down here on earth, people are going through the tribulation. It's an awful time. Worst time the world ever seen, ever will see. At the end of that tribulation, Jesus Christ comes back. We who are saved come back with him. He comes down to this earth, sets up his kingdom, 
that kingdom uh, lasts for 1,000 years. At the end of the 1,000-year kingdom, the world in, in, in the heavens and the earth are destroyed. And then uh, the great white throne judgment takes place. And at the end of the great white throne judgment, the lost are cast in the lake of fire, and the saved uh, get to enjoy eternity forever in the new heavens and the new earth. So uh, I guess that's why when this all said and done, John said, even so, come Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. But, thanks, Pastor Strobel. You know, uh, that's always an encouragement for me to hear, hear that, you know, the, those the things that are coming. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, sometimes I get focused on uh, temporal things. <laughs> yeah. And so to, just to hear that again and to, to, to hear that laid out so, so clearly like that, it's, it's good stuff. Amen. Exciting stuff, boy! I tell you, it's it's great stuff. I, you know, when you were talking about that, especially the first part, talking about the rapture, I, I can't help but think of Second uh, Timothy chapter uh, four, verses seven and eight. Paul speaking here. He says, "I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I've kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous Judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only." but unto all them that love his appearing. Amen. And uh, it's, it's, it's a wonderful thing to be thinking about the Lord's return. And uh, we ought to love his appearing. We ought to be looking for him and ready for him to come and catch us in a good state and not in a bad state uh, where he'll find us uh, doing the things that are right instead of the things that are wrong. Amen. And uh, in the same breath, you know, knowing what you said there as far as the judgment seat of Christ coming up, uh, Paul also makes this statement. He says, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. So it's, a, it's a, an exciting thing and a fearful thing all at the same time. Amen. Sobering. Yeah. yeah. yeah it, made me, it made me think, too, when you were talking about uh, those like the Jehovah's Witnesses or, or other people that... You know, even just uh, regular people that may not be saved, uh, that have their hope in, in living on this earth, you know, is forever. And uh, I was looking up on the internet here, uh, just put in, when will the world end? And uh, it showed up here. The very first thing I saw was ABC News. Uh, that I won't read the whole thing, but just a, a sentence. It says, the earth has probably already peaked as a haven of, for plants and animals has begun its long descent into oblivion, according to scientists at the University of Washington who have plotted out the future of our planet. And uh, it goes on here. And uh, let's see, I wanted to show this. Um, anyway, they talk about how who knows how much longer we have. You know, they say that uh, the plants and the animals and everybody like that, and even us, uh, don't have much longer. And, and uh, you know, I mean, you see it in people's faces, like I said, even at work, even with the birds and, and uh, different things like that. They, they see that there's a lot of things going on and, and because there are, their hearts and their minds are set upon this earth. And, uh, you know, when that stuff happens, you know, especially when the earthquakes happen and things like that, uh, you know, I just can't wait for the Lord to come back, you know, because, um, you know, when Jesus Christ, they, they said, when, when shall be the sign of thy coming? And uh, Jesus Christ said in Matthew 24, 7, uh, there'll be many pestilences, famines, earthquakes. And of course, he's talking about uh, his second coming when he comes back. This is even after the rapture. Uh, we'll be out of here uh, way before this, but, but we, we're just seeing the, the just little small tremors 
of what the tribulation is going to be like. I mean, we're seeing just, I mean, we're seeing a lot more earthquakes today than we ever have uh, in huge numbers, and even in places that have never they've never been. But just to think that um, in in the tribulation, it's going to be so much worse. But uh, you know, I just think about that about. Uh, you know, people talk about, well, the end of the world could come at any time, and, and like you said, Pastor Schulbe, it'll be at least another 1,007 years before this this earth is uh, burned up. But, uh, you know, Daniel chapter 12, verse 1 says, And there shall be a time of trouble, such as never was, since there was a nation, even to that same time. Yes. I mean, you know, if you don't get saved today, uh, you're going to be just like you have been the whole entire time. You're going to wonder when this uh, earth is going to be destroyed, uh, when your end of your life will be. Uh, I remember that time, uh, just a little over five years ago. Uh, you know, I was always in the back of my mind, what if an earthquake happens? What if some <clears throat> major catastrophe happens, you know, and I die, where will I be? And, uh, you know, with the whole world, people talking about it ending, all that kind of stuff. Listen, if, if you're not saved and that rapture takes place and you're going to be left here, like Pastor Strobel said, uh, most likely you will not get saved. God will send you that strong delusion because uh, you heard the gospel. And uh, then you will go through such a time that's going to be terrible, terrible. It won't be the end of the earth. It won't be the end of the earth yet. Uh, but but uh, most likely it will be the end of your life and, and your soul will, will go to hell. So I just pray that, again, if nobody's uh, saved here tonight, to get saved. And, and, uh, and, you know, that's the like I've said before, that's the most important thing. Amen. So really there's uh, some significant global warming on the horizon. <laughs> oh yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. It's a, it's a common. We got a ways to, to to go yet, but the global warming is about to take on a whole new meaning when that happens. That is a I think valid it's, point. I think it's funny too how you know you got the whole thing about the global warming and and all these people saying, "Oh, we're killing our planet," and and you know they they always use that that it's us that are doing it instead of it's the signs of the times coming in. You know, God said that there would be this stuff coming in, and they take that place. What they say is, "Oh no, it's just us. We're just killing the planet." You know, it's a, just to make the it's kind of a uh, arrogant viewpoint to take that we have that. You know, we we can wrest that power out of God's hand. Yeah, you know, and say that uh, we're we're going to destroy our own planet now, and these things are going to happen. And it's not to say that man isn't contributing to, contributing to it, but uh, the times are in God's hands, and um, it, it doesn't. We we cannot speed it up or slow it down in, in that regard. But Amen. Well, speaking of speeding it up and slowing it down. There's the band. Times are here, the end is I think, it's, <laughs> I think it's funny too. I mean, you see all the movies nowadays. All it is about the end of the world. That's all the movies are. Hey, I don't know if the music drowned you out there, Matt, or your, your connection. Probably the music was pretty loud. <laughs> I think that's your play, you're trying to drown me out. Sorry, Matt, can't hear you. The music's... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> this is a very special mic now. You have to be real quiet. That's right. It's a very sensitive microphone. No, that's too loud, Matt. Quiet down. <laughs> oh. Oh, those are the days. Well, Steve, you'll be up next, right? Yes, sir. All right. Looking forward to no that. No hints. No hints. going to be on the birds. Nah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, there were no birds mentioned there, Pastor. 
No, oh, you let us down. The map That's brought it back up. <laughs> I thought we covered it. Yeah, I think we did. Yeah. All right, guys. We will... Uh, I have to figure out when the studio is going to be reconfigured again, but probably the next couple of weeks I'll, I'll get back in touch with you. All right, amen. If the Lord does not come back in between now and then, we'll see you on the other side. Amen. All right, guys. Take care. This has been a production of the That's in the Bible podcast. To leave a comment or to ask a question, visit our website at thatsinthebible.com or email us at thatsinthebible at gmail.com or call our listener feedback voicemail at 716-584-1611. Again, that's 716-584-1611. As always, thanks for listening and press on.